Hello everyone. To paraphrase Shakespeare's Hamlet, to use or not to use, Pernkomp's Atlas, or to give it its full name, Pernkomp's Topographic Anatomy of Man, is a moral dilemma facing surgeons in the 21st century. It's universally thought of as the most skilled collection of anatomical drawings and illustrations ever found. The graphic details and strikingly visual colours of different body parts are stunningly precise. Furthermore, they serve as a blueprint from which to work in complex surgeries. However, the moral dilemma facing today's medical profession is that the dissected bodies used in this book are those of innocent victims of the Holocaust. For this reason, it's no longer in print today. There's only second-hand editions that are available to purchase, and they're often at exorbitant prices online. One copy, for example, of Pernkov's Atlas was advertised for just over £3,000. In this podcast, what I want to do is get to the heart of this controversy. For me, it has a personal significance. I, I studied medicine at university. So a big part of me appreciates the power that this book has, the power to educate, to heal. But equally, I was brought up in a Jewish household, so I do understand why some call for its destruction. I appreciate the historical significance, but also the implications it has. Before we go any further, I'd like to thank English teacher Felicia Isaacs for carrying out the extensive research and providing the content for this podcast. Some of you might recognise that surname. Felicia Isaacs is indeed my own mother. We've had a number of discussions about this subject, and I don't think either of us, to be honest, have come to any real definitive conclusion, other than to say it certainly is a dilemma. We have now ascertained that Edward Pernkampf laboured on his anatomical atlas at the University of Vienna in 1933. He put in this thing we think around 18 hours a day dissecting human bodies and supervising a team of artists to paint whatever he revealed in the most intricate detail. The macabre and gruesome origins of his research is why very few people would proudly display this book in their clinic or in a library. Critics feel, and understandably so, that it's tainted by the sinister past and scientists themselves have struggled with the moral ethics involved in its use. This leaves the medical profession, though, in a quandary. Since expert evidence is foreshadowed by the inhumane history, the question is, do should we be using it? Indeed, many doctors confess to feelings of unease regarding its origin. Yet at the same time, they acknowledge the book as a vital part of being an, well, an ethical surgeon, if you like. Moreover, to many, it has become a crucial part of their job. Perhaps the most positive endorsement for its use has ironically come from certain influential rabbis, some of whom have been Holocaust survivors. Pernkamp's atlas can be seen as a a moral enigma as such, since it stemmed from real evil. But it can be used to promote the service of good. Surely, if, if people so cruelly and personally involved in the Nazi regime can look beyond it to its benefit, then maybe there is a place after all for this atlas. This said, the darkness of the book's origins must not ever be forgotten. 
It's been reported that at least half of the 800 images in this book come from political prisoners. These innocent victims included Jews, homosexuals, gypsies. Many political dissidents were also among them. On occasions, the Anatomy Institute was so full that executions had to be delayed and put back. They procrastinated with it. Indeed, like the infamous Dr Mengele, there was always a plentiful supply of bodies available and Pernkampf utilised this availability to further his findings and his drawings. To perfect his illustrations, he actually employed two uh, ardent Nazi artists called Erich Liepje and Karl Entresser. Together, they provided graphic details to the illustrations. They even signed the atlas with Nazi insignia. Later editions, though, airbrushed these symbols out. In addition, the atlas was translated into five different languages. Thousands of these were sold worldwide. They boasted about the amazing and quite outstanding artwork, while leaving out any mention of the dark and bloody past. By the 1990s, however, though, academics started to question the origins of the people in the atlas. After the shocking revelations were discovered, the atlas went out of publication in 1994, so still fairly recent. Libraries retained copies of it, though, for historical purposes only, even though the Royal College of Surgeons no longer used it in the United Kingdom. Some uh, neurosurgeons had actually confessed to referring to the atlas, having been made aware of its ominous history. Many surgeons remain in awe of the book's remarkable accuracy and the obvious advantage that it offers in the world of complex surgery. Many advocate how it helps figure out which of the very many small nerves that course through our body are potentially causing pain. Most Jewish authorities would allow the use of the images to save human lives. This was under the condition that the history of the Atlas was made known. With, with full knowledge, the victims were therefore afforded some of the dignity that they were owed. Members of the Jewish community have uh, mentioned how lives have been saved due to consulting the Atlas to find, say, a, a crucial nerve of interest. A diagnosis can take only just a few minutes due to Pernkamp's uh, illuminating illustrations. It's typically in amongst these Jewish groups that I refer to, it's sort of felt unanimous, unanimously rather that if the patient could be healed and restored to life as such, then there is an almost obligation, you could say, to utilise it. Fundamentally, the sole purpose of a doctor is to save and restore life. Pernkampf was nevertheless arrested after the war and he was actually sacked from the university. For three years, he was held uh, at an allied prison of war camp, but he was never charged with any crimes. After his release, he returned to the university and he continued his work on the Atlas. He published a third volume in 1952, but he died before publishing a fourth in 1955. More than 60 years later, specialists in the field recommend Edward Pernkamp's atlas as being one of the finest sources of visual facts for detailed and anatomical work. 
In fact, in peripheral nerve surgery, most surgeons would say that it's it's quite a unique and irreplaceable source of information. It allows them to see in far greater detail, and that is invaluable. In order to achieve some kind of moral awareness, the patients I feel need to be appraised of its provenance. Knowing the Atlas's origins will create a sense of honesty and integrity, integrity rather, which is essential in order for this to kind of work and actually be used in uh, future studies. There were, I should point out, investigations have been conducted into uh, the origins of sort of the images were who the people are based on and some some studies have suggested that there is no evidence that the bodies came from the concentration camps but merely these were just people who had been executed who resisted uh, the Nazi regime but the moral dilemma for surgeons is that even now the Pernkampf uh, illustrations are unsurpassed in accuracy and detail and amongst bioethicists and religious experts a lot of uh, online material that I've read recognised the, the work in these, this book to really be world class. Still, the question of moral ethics uh, is a disturbing one, especially when you read how the artists involved were instructed to use brighter hues than those found in the real cadavers, so that a reader of this book would better learn to recognise and distinguish key anatomical landmarks. Experts express how other anatomy atlases just pale in comparison. Many physicians and professors have long debated the use of Nazi medical data, in particular from experiments on hypothermia and the phospho or phosgene gas. Evidence has shown how Jewish prisoners were exposed to freezing and poisoning. In fact, it's been found that the United States military even redesigned their army flak jackets based on Nazi data, so that downed airmen had a better chance of surviving the cold. I think what's really important is that we have to assess if good can be derived from evil, really. I think that's the crucial question one must kind of ask themselves. Many acknowledge that the highest value in Jewish life is life itself. And that being said, if the illustrations in Pernkamp's Atlas can save a life or alleviate suffering then surely utilising such material should be mandatory. Educators and doctors must remember its origins though and must pay respect to those who were killed to be able to create it. If this knowledge is continually imparted, perhaps good may come out of evil after all. I think to conclude, Pernkamp's association with the Nazi party and their total disregard for human life will always be remembered for being something evil. But in a bitter contrast, the innocent victims who were sacrificed will endure in our hearts and our memories for providing something good. So like Hamlet, the decision to use or not to use the Atlas should ultimately be based on the end goal. If the medical achievement from this source saves lives, then it can be seen positively, culminating in, I guess you could argue, the triumph of good over evil. And on that note... I'd like to thank you all for listening.